Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cave of the Cross Apologetics. I'm Patrick. And I'm Tony. And uh, we're in the middle of John Frame's uh, theodicy explanation of what he's uh, claiming is the a biblical response to uh, the problem of evil, or the theodicy, the, the the study of theos and and and, and God's um, and response to 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 evil and why it exists in the world. And uh, um, we've kind of talked about uh, frame having this uh, this tripartite t- triangle of an explanation and uh, how he um, is in the midst of kind of his uh, uh, normative description that God sets the standard. And when we see in scripture, which is uh, his primary assertion of what we should be concerned about for an, an answer, a, a biblical answer, um, is that, listen, uh, we've, we find uh, the problem of evil throughout scripture and these people come to him in certain uh, throes of of uh, Talmud and and say, you know, oh God, how can you do this? And he says, whoa, how can you do this? And I'm I'm God. And so uh, it's this it's this sovereign uh, uh, back and forth of saying, listen, God, you need to answer for this. And he says, listen, you need to answer for this because I'm I'm here and you're there. And so. Uh, we covered that uh, a little bit last time, and so now um, in, in in chapter eight here, uh, kind of in the middle, uh, he wants to give us a new historical perspective uh, that Scripture gives us, and he says that in this section he intends to go more deeply into Scripture's rationale. Why are the biblical writers so sure of God's justice and goodness? You know, let uh, let, let God be true and every man a liar. How can how can the, the writer, uh, Paul, the writer, uh, be certain of that. Well, as we have seen, they are not un- unaware of the problem of evil. Around them are all sorts of voices challenging the goodness and justice of God. Uh, I mean, uh, G- Jesus meeting with both uh, the, the Pharisees and the lawyers, the, the, the people who should know the answers to the, the charges that they, that they bring about. And they, they come to God, uh, well, they come to Jesus, and not believing that he's God or not wanting to believe that he's God, uh, but uh, not taking uh, uh, the, the word that was presented to them with the answers that Jesus knew. Jesus being the word, uh, declaring the, uh, having the word declared, um, uh, um, sending out the spirit to, to inspire the biblical writers to write down the word. I mean, he's, he's going to be the best source, but they're also using this to trick him. And so he's saying, listen, um, you know, all the answers are, 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 there for you. And so we see that continuation uh, from Old Testament to New Testament as well. Well, he says here that one answer, of course, essentially the answer is last section is, listen, God says so, and that ought to be enough. Now, we might not like it, but again, uh, you know, God is God. He, he's, he's this uh, entity who has made only everything and ordered everything so that it continues, and so much so that we still don't understand it. And uh, even with uh, the, the the not Bronze Age goat herders that are that have supposedly led us, but these big brain scientists who want to say, well, all right, the, there are these uh, multitude of mini universes that exist, and so that's how we can uh, 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 trick ourselves into to saying, well, you know, evolution is possible because we're just one of infinity uh, worlds out there, and so it must have occurred here because we have a greater chance with that. And so even with all that. Uh, God, God has made an order of this world so that we can know things, that we can be justified in knowing things, that we can uh, understand the laws of logic and how God thinks. And then also uh, uh, God has given us both an internal conscience to, to understand 
uh, kind of a, a natural theology of morality, but also he's given us his word. And those are none of the things that God has to do. Uh, he didn't even have to create, but he chooses to create. And so now God operates uh, a, a, a world uh, where he gets to direct. And so when the actors go, well, but I have other ideas. He says, uh, listen, look at the back of the chair. It says uh, not just director, but God on the back of it. Yeah, exactly. And so Frank tells us, especially from the uh, when his examination of Romans chapter nine here, he says that there are certain things that we that you know that we can see clearly with regard to this. And this was the other section, right? We have no right to complain against God, and when we do, we express our disobedience. Right? God is under no obligation to give us any intellectually satisfying answer to the problem of evil. He expects us to trust us uh, in spite of that. God is sovereign. He's not to be questioned in connection with the problem of evil. It's rather to be underscored his sovereignty. God's word is true. It's altogether reliable. As a matter of fact, God is not unjust. He is, in fact, holy and just and good. And so Frame says, and for all practical purposes, the answer is, you know, God says so, and that ought to be enough, right? <laughs> That's the answer. But he says, uh, now, this is not the only biblical answer, or whether it's not the full biblical answer. Scripture also tells us uh, some things about how God reveals and therefore vindicates his goodness, right? And so he says that we may summarize this by saying that God vindicates his justice by giving us, notice, a new historical perspective by helping us to see history through his eyes. And so he wants us to consider how the past, the present, and the future look through the eyes of God, and that will give us some help with regard to wrestling through this issue of the problem of evil from a biblical response perspective. Right. Right. You know, think about one of your favorite books. Um, um, maybe the author is still alive, goes on a podcast, and what do you talk about? We don't say, well, you know, why did this character do this? Said, oh, what made you uh, uh, choose this path for this character? Can you explain your writing process and, and what you wanted to accomplish? And so you, you talk to the author of the story. And so uh, th that's what uh, uh, God is uh, offering us a glimpse here uh, through his, uh, his revelation. Well, the past, the, the weight and the dialect is what he calls this section. Uh, and he says, I have always felt that a great many mysteries in theology boil down to the mystery of time mm. why is it that our eternal god loves to draw things out in time yeah. uh, certainly a, a great part of the problem of suffering lies in the fact that uh, uh our suffering is drawn out in time we cry out to god and he does not seem to hear or rather he in effect tells us to wait and wait and wait uh <laughs> guess what uh, uh jews you're gonna wander in the desert for 40 40 years well why can't he just kill them over like maybe a seven year pot period? Why, why is it, why is it 40? You know, uh, what, uh, the, 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 the expectation, uh, I think of Eve of, of naming, uh, people like Abel and Seth, uh, seemed to be, a, 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 a desire of saying, well, you know, uh, God said the Messiah is going to come and guess what? Uh, here's our next, uh, kin. Oh, now we just have to wait, you know, 4,400 years. And then Jesus comes about when the Romans uh, uh, build all the roads. So that's that's <laughs> what we had to wait for, maybe. <laughs> so why do we have to wait? Well, Scripture tells us that a great deal of uh, about this waiting process. It shows us the, how, how God's people are tested by the passage of time over and over 
and over again. But it also shows us again and again how God brings the waiting periods to an end, vindicating himself and ending the suffering of his people. Right. And so Fran tells us that the whole Old Testament period may be described as a period of waiting, right? The whole Old Testament, hundreds of years. Uh, he says it's evident that Israel's home in Canaan does not in itself fulfill the promise made to Abraham. The bulls and the goats offered and sacrificed do not take away the sin of the people. Of all the deliverers, none of them are able to crush the head of Satan, as was promised in Genesis chapter 3. And indeed, Israel's disobedience, punctuated to be sure by periods of revival, becomes worse and worse throughout the whole Old Testament. So in perspective, the long wait of the Old Testament period accentuates the problem of evil, Frank tells us. And not just because of its length, but also because it produces a kind of what he says, or what he calls it, a dialectic, notice, between justice and mercy. And so now he's going to focus on this, and this is going to be, for him, a problem of evil that we will actually see God uh, explain and deal with and give us a, a good satisfactory answer. And so, and he's going to use that now as a paradigm to help <laughs> us to understand the problem of evil that God hasn't explained. Right. Right. So he says, then uh, the, the prophets proclaim justice. Israel will certainly be judged for her disobedience, but they also proclaim grace. God is coming to redeem his people. Judgment is coming, but the promise to Adam and Abraham will nevertheless be fulfilled. Yet how can this be? Israel's sins are worse than those of the pagan nations of Canaan, even of Sodom and Gomorrah, which God destroyed. How can a just God do anything less than wipe the nation out entirely? Yet the promise of grace comes again. God will surely redeem his people. But how can he wipe them out and redeem them at the same time? It seems <laughs> as though God's justice violates his mercy or his mercy violates his justice. And isn't that some of the discussions that we do have with unbelievers? Well, Frame says that there's an answer here. Yeah, good. So notice he says that the problem here is not only that evil raises questions about God's justice or goodness. It is that God's justice and goodness raises questions about each other, <laughs> right? And uh, so God's very nature, he tells us, appears to be self-contradictory. If we could prove his justice... He would thereby disprove his goodness. And of course, if we prove his goodness, then of course we've disproved his justice. So we have a conundrum here, right? Wow. <laughs> and then comes Jesus, he tells us. And the wait is over. Christ then is the theodicy, he tells us, of Romans uh, 3.26. When God gave his son as an atonement for sin, uh, the scripture says it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that the uh, he, that is God, might be both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. All right. So we have this issue between God's justice and goodness, right, his, his mercy and his justice. And how do we reconcile these two things? This, he says, is a problem, a type of problem of evil. And God deals with it. He deals with it by sending his son, Jesus Christ. And now he becomes just. That is, he shows that he's just. And he shows that he's the justifier of those 
who have faith in Jesus. And so he solved this problem of evil right in front of our face uh, by sending Jesus. So wait, he's saying that Jesus is the answer? I mean, who would <laughs> yeah, have thought? The Sunday school the, answer, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the kids were right all this time. <laughs> That's right. What did you learn in school, uh, Sunday school today? Jesus is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See, we're offering nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. We can all... We just open up the word. Of, you know, right. There you go. Well, notice that the atonement vindicates both God's justice and his mercy. It is just and it justifies the ungodly in Christ. The, the just penalty for sin is paid once and for all. Because Christ endures that penalty in the place of his people, they receive lavish mercy beyond our power to imagine. And mm. that's the, what the church age and, and from, from Acts onwards uh, talks about. God demonstrates both his justice and his love, Romans 5.8. Neither is compromised, but each is demonstrated in virtually infinite degrees. Mm, and, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, what, it's what for the past 2,000 years, uh, uh, well, well manicured uh, 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 songwriters have, have been uh, writing songs about. And, and uh, how can this be that my Christ uh, would die for me? And so we, we have that. We have depictions in art uh, showing this, this suffering aspect, uh, but a suffering of Christ for his people. Uh, you know, and we, we see uh, books being written, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, Bunyan writing, uh, writing about uh, the, the happiness of, of lifting the burden on, on Christians back and saying, how is this the, the case? Uh, how, how was I burdened? How has this burden? And now I'm so free of this. And, and, uh, the 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 artists of the Christian world for the past two thousand years have been have been uh, writing about this, and we continue to write the, about this, and uh, and hopefully our art will uh, will pick back up after the the, the dip in in uh, postmodernism. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. And so Frame tells us that you know he grants that this redemptive history that God now has resolved this particular issue with regard mm -hmm. to the problem of evil. He grants that this does not solve the problem of evil in every sense, right? It, for instance, it doesn't explain genocide or the suffering of little children, nor does it explain our, our present waiting as we look forward to God's final vindication. But he says, here is the lesson for us. If God could vindicate his justice and mercy in a situation in which such vindication seemed virtually impossible, right? I mean, we got to a point where it would seem as if God's character was contradictory. How can he be good and just and yet uh, uh, merciful at the same time, right? So an impossible situation, God resolves and solves that problem. So if he's done this, right, if he could vindicate it, uh, this in this way, uh, you know, that went far beyond what we are expected and understood, Frame tells us, can we not trust him to vindicate himself again with the things that he hasn't resolved for us, right? Right. I, words, I think this too is is where uh, our critique of Allah uh, uh, stems from, is uh, Allah's mercy seems very easy. All you have to do is these six things and uh, th there's there's no Ooh. there's no there's no yeah. payment for sin. Uh, there's just well, uh, you're, you're good. You're good to go. Thanks. You've you've got your stamp on your passport, and you know <laughs> the heavens await. Well, but what what about all the bad stuff that I did? No, you're fine. You're you're good. You've you've did the things. Yeah. Well, uh, so okay. is that so, so those are, those are those are that yeah. Where, where's where's the justice for for those things that I experienced or that I did? 
Oh, listen, right. I, I've, I've done terrible things. I don't deserve this. And no, right. you've, you've got your stamp. Well, right. oh, okay. And, and of I, course, if God gives us justice and we ask, well, where's the mercy? <laughs> right. 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 I thought he was merciful. How can he, you know? And so what we see here is that the, that issue is resolved uh, with regard to Jesus Christ. And so God answers that particular problem of evil, we might say, uh, in Christ. And so what Frame wants us to see here, and this is, I think, uh, his point, that if God is able to provide an answer to the exceptionally difficult Old Testament form of the problem of evil, does it not make sense to assume that he can and will answer our remaining difficulties? Does it not make sense to trust and obey even in the midst of suffering? Notice the folks of the Old Testament had to wait and wait and wait and wait. And some of them just trusted they never got the answer. We now have seen the answer. And mm-hmm. in, in this particular, you know, we might say difficult problem of evil. And so if God can solve that, our particular issues, we can we can trust him to solve those is the point I think that Freeman is helping us to see. Right. All right. The the present uh, that is uh, our current present. Well, there's the greater good defense. And he says that scripture's new historical perspective enables us to look at our own present experience in a new way. In short, God is even now using evil for his own good purposes. That is sometimes called the greater good defense. And all the uh, classical defenses that uh, were covered in uh, chapter seven, uh, it is the only one with scriptural support. It does, however, require some uh, clarification. (laughs) As Jay Adams uh, and and, uh, Doug uh, Ederson uh, has pointed out, scripture deals with the problem of evil and it's uh, typically theocentric uh, as opposed to anthropocentric. So it's God-centered rather than man-centered, which we don't like that. (laughs) We we want explanations. (laughs) We want to be Job-centered. We want to say, why did this happen, O Lord? Well, no, unfortunately, the the, the author is writing the story about himself and his relationship with other people is is in there. And so this, the, the, the Bible is an autobiography of who God is. So many uh, traditional treatments of the problem assumes that God's ultimate purpose is to provide happiness for man. And of course, that's not so. God's ultimate purpose is to glorify himself. And indeed, man's own chief end is to glorify God and what? Enjoy him forever. Suffering is for a while. Glory is for eternity. Yeah, exactly. Right. So notice this is God's perspective. This is the, the scripture's biblical response to suffering, right? And it gives us God's perspective. And part of what God is, the majority, most of what God, all really of what God is trying to accomplish is to reveal himself, his his own glory. And so Frank tells us it's possible to learn from Scripture some of the ways in which God is using evil to bring about greater good. So again, this greater good defense is the one that he says most closely aligns with Scripture and what Scripture says. And it's a focus on God and not on man, right? And so he says, we must be cautious though here. Scripture doesn't give us exhaustive explanations of all evils as we've seen. It often calls us to be quiet and uh, accept in faith what providence brings our way. But it does show how God has used 
some evils to advance his purposes, right? And so this is the greater good defense, right? He allows evil uh, to advance his purposes, to bring about greater good. That's that's what Frame is suggesting is at least part of the biblical response to the problem of evil. Mm-hmm. And in our discussion with uh, Scott Christensen on his uh, last book, What About Evil? Uh, we asked him uh, uh, kind of a... a, um, a uh, a internal uh how would how would you help someone who's in the midst of suffering what, what would you tell them so I'll, I'll link that uh video below or uh, uh make sure to include it uh somewhere around here so that uh that that way uh it will help bolster uh kind of this answer as well all right so what are those purposes those purposes include displaying god's grace and justice and there's a whole slew of of biblical uh answers that frame provides here including uh romans 3 5 and 8 uh there's nine again uh also uh purpose is uh the judgment of evil and not just now but also in the future uh uh, takes into uh to account uh this uh um this purpose Uh, also there's redemption christ's suffering of of redemption is a redemptive in an obvious way first peter 3 18 and the shock value to unbelievers intended to gain their attention and to promote a change of heart. Uh, Zechariah 13 and Luke 13 and John 9. Uh, fatherly discipline of believers, uh, Hebrews 12. This is the the, the pruning aspect that, that God uses uh, this evil t- as a way to um, kind of knock some sense into us and says, you know, you're going off on the wrong path. Um, I'm going to uh, let you follow this, but guess what? There are going to be repercussions. Oh God, how can, how can you allow me to suffer in this? Well, um, maybe, maybe don't do the thing that I told you not to do that you you know, <laughs> read about in, in Sunday school for the past three, three weeks. And then you went and did, uh, no one is more shocked than me that, uh, there are repercussions to these things. Uh, there's also a vindication of God. And an example of this is, uh, in Romans three twenty six. So all these, uh, different purposes are, uh, to 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 build up this uh, greater good uh, theodicy that uh, he says accounts for uh, many good answers um, to the problem of evil. Exactly. In fact, he says that we see evil used for good again and again in Scripture. Right? It's used for good. Think of uh, Joseph, right? What you meant for evil, God meant for good. So can we not accept, he says, in faith that these uh, that these evils, right, that the evils that we've seen um, uh, have been resolved, and therefore the ones that are unexplained also have a purpose in the depths of God's mind. Right? He says, again, we do not have a complete uh, theoretical answer to the problem of evil, but what we do have is a strong encouragement to trust God even uh, uh, amidst uh, the unexplained suffering. So God is is, uh, telling us here that, hey, he's using this for good. And so, yes, he hasn't given us the answer that we want for our particular issue, right? But we can see all of these illustrations of how God has used this for good and the answer that he's given here. And so we should trust him for our particular suffering. He says, indeed, the encouragement is so strong he believes that one should would be foolish not to accept, uh, you know, what God is is uh, telling us. Right. This is like a uh, M Night Shyamalan uh, movie. Uh, listen, he he's he's fooled me with with the uh, the twist ending for the past three movies, 
it would be foolish for me not to accept the fact that <laughs> guess what the, the the next one is also going to have a twist ending and so i'm going to be on the lookout for it well guess what god does those things again and so we should be on the lookout for those things but we sometimes have to get through the two-hour movie in order to get to the ending all right so we dealt with the past we've dealt with the present well what about the future well there are some scripture songs that uh uh point us the way of of the theodicy of the future the third dimension is our in our new perspective on history has to do with the future we are after all still waiting we have not seen how all of god's purpose results in good thus the passage of time still tries our patience and for those who are suffering the sheer length of the trial can be an occasion for complaint against god Still in scripture, God promises us that in the future, he will be totally vindicated and we will be fully delivered from all evil. And as we have indicated, the pattern is that of suffering now and receiving glory later. We see it in Christ. So Christ suffers now, but receives glory at a later time. And uh, that, 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 I mean, that is carried through. That's a, a, a motif of scripture uh, uh, th- through and through. Uh, G.K. Beale would write a book uh, and, and, and uh, base it on that. It, it's so prevalent uh, uh, motif in scripture. Yeah, exactly. And so, again, uh, Frame gives us a, a biblical example of this in the prophet Habakkuk. Mm-hmm. Habakkuk complained about the apparent injustice of God's ways. And what happens? Well, he gets two things. First, he's told to wait for God's judgment, right, in Habakkuk chapter 2. And second, he is to remember God's past deeds. That's Habakkuk uh, chapter 3. And so that's kind of what we are to, to, to the way we're to react as well, Frank tells us, right? As we wait for the future, seeking to be patient, it is helpful to remember the ways in which God has vindicated his judgment in the past. And so we um, understand God's, uh, uh, you know, past workings. And so we trust him to be vindicated in the future as well. That's that's our perspective is what Wayne tells us we should do. Well, he says then at uh, any rate, we may be assured that, that the last day that, that there will be no problem of evil. There will be no more doubt, no more complaint. If there is a residual uh, theor- theoretical problem, it will be one that we will be completely happy to live with. And if we believe now that that day will certainly come, uh, can we not be content in the present? Again, we find in scripture, not a uh, philosophical solution to the problem, but a great reassurance, a powerful motivation to keep trusting and obeying despite all the wickedness in the world. That you know, we 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 are privileged and 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 have a, a unique perspective by reading, uh, you know, the the the, the trial of, of of Cain, where God comes down and says, you know, listen, there's a roaring lion about ready to devour you. Flee from the sin, and and you'll be saved. What does Cain do? I am not fleeing from my sin. I'm I'm going to embrace it. In fact, so much so that uh, that uh, I, I've, I'm found out as the first murderer, and my mm. name goes down mm. in history as, as that. And so uh, we we know the ending of that story, and it's like, oh well, you know, you, you should have done something different. Well, guess what? We are in the midst of that story, and isn't that sometimes uh, 
we admit to ourselves too, where it's like, oh man, it's it's a good thing that we suffered during this time. I, I'm glad I was poor for this time period because now that I have way more money, I'm more careful with my uh, with my finances. Or, uh, man, I was really glad uh, to, uh, to, to, to uh, lift weights to a certain extent to where now my PR is, you know, phenomenal. Well, That's right. but, but, no but pain, I, no I needed gain, those, right? I needed those, those, those benchmarks during my benching to, uh, to get to those, to, to those <laughs> high points to, to go, Oh, I, I see the, the this system works. The system, I, if I trust in the system, then, uh, you know, the, I will build the muscle over time and I'll get to where I want to be. Uh, you know, sports is, is a great way to do that. Listen, you practice those stupid drills where you just pass the ball back and forth. And guess what? When you're in the midst of the game, those drills are going to be so stuck in your mind that you're, you're going to do it without even uh, thinking about it. That's how good it is. And so that, 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 that pain, little bit of pain there uh, is, is trustworthy in those areas. We could port it over and, and give God the benefit of the doubt in, in those areas too. Not saying it's not hard because I mean, look at the suffering of Christ, and uh, uh, even even the the scripture writers point to the, the suffering of Christ as well. Of saying, listen, take solace in the fact that God is not this uh, this uh, entity who who has no no fathomable explanation of like, well, I don't know what suffering is like. Guess what? He entered into his creation, and that should have been enough to suffer. But he goes further and suffers completely so much so that not only does he take all of his people sin on him, but he takes the full wrath of God on him. And again, if we don't view that as an extreme uh, theodicy explanation there, then we devalue sin or we're devaluing the atonement. Yeah, exactly. And so finally, Frank tells us here that uh, scripture gives us a new heart, that is faithful heart, right? He says, as the Holy Spirit speaks in Scripture, he turns our skepticism into faith. In fact, the marvelous things, as he says that uh, John Gerstner and others have pointed out, is not that there is evil in the world, but that God has forgiven the evil in our own hearts for the sake of Christ. Believers, even uh, with their new hearts, though, do continue to ask about the problem of evil, but there are so many reasons for giving thanks that we can never look at evil with the same passion as the unbeliever. The believer simply looks at the world with values different from those of the unbeliever. And the change in those values is perhaps the closest that we can get at this point in history anyway, to a theodicy, right? And so that's what uh, Frame suggests here as how the scriptures, the biblical response uh, to the problem of evil goes. Right. Well, did that do it for you? Is, is, <laughs> is, we've, we've covered now two, two different theodicies. Are, are we satisfied? Can, can, can we just move on and talk about other things? No, uh, <laughs> I, I'm curious to, to see if, if uh, this resonates with people. Um, so, uh, um, you know, uh, find us wherever you want to uh, leave us a message. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on all those things. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see if, if uh, this is something that uh, strikes you or if, it, uh, if, if, if you have another explanation or, or um, uh, uh, you know, maybe there's an amalgamation of, of Christensen and, and Frame. Uh, not that I think that they're saying opposing things. In fact, I think they would find a lot of agreement with each other. Just Christensen has about 19 other chapters that he can put forth <laughs> to, right. to make his case here. 
It's almost an unfair comparison, right? <laughs> right, right exactly. This sick and just deals with the problem of evil. And of course, right. uh, Frame here just has a couple of chapters. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. The Christians did give, did give us an answer on page six, where, where we had to wait until the second chapter. <laughs> yeah, for that, that's true. That's true. <laughs> okay, so we're moving off defense, and, and we've got the ball in our possession, and now we're going on the offense. And uh, next uh, chapter, chapter nine, is uh, Frame's critique of unbelief. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully you'll join us for there as we were. Uh, I think we're fairly close to finishing up our, our, our yeah, book Yeah, there's here. only two more chapters left. And then there's a whole list of uh, <laughs> appendices. Here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's only two more chapters left. Yes. So uh, uh, we'll cover that uh, next time. And uh, uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.